Section 16 of Orpheus in Mayfair and Other Stories and Sketches. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Kate Fallis. Orpheus in Mayfair and Other Stories and Sketches by maurice baring section sixteen dr faust last day the doctor got up at dawn as was his wont and as soon as he was dressed he sat down at his desk in his library overlooking the sea and immersed himself in the studies which were the lodestar of his existence his hours were mapped out with rigid regularity like those of a schoolboy and his methodical life worked as though by clockwork he rose at dawn and read without interruption until eight o'clock he then partook of some light food he was a strict vegetarian after which he walked in the garden of his house overlooking the bay of naples until ten from ten to twelve he received sick people peasants from the village or any visitors that needed his advice or his company at twelve he ate a frugal meal from one o'clock until three he enjoyed a siesta at three he resumed his studies which continued without interruption until six when he partook of a second meal at seven he took another stroll in the village or by the seashore and remained out of doors until nine he then withdrew into his study and at midnight went to bed it was perhaps the extreme regularity of his life combined with the strict diet which he observed that accounted for his good health this day was his seventieth birthday and his body was as vigorous and his mind as alert as they had been in his fortieth year his thick hair and beard were scarcely grey and the wrinkles on his white thoughtful face were rare yet the doctor when questioned as to the secret of his youthfulness being like many learned men fond of a paradox used to reply that diet and regularity had nothing to do with it and that the southern sun and the climate of the neapolitan coast which he had chosen among all places to be the abode of his old age were in reality responsible for his excellent health i lead a regular life he used to say not in order to keep well but in order to get through my work unless my hours were mapped out regularly i should be the prey of every idler in the place and i should never get any work done at all on this day as it was his seventieth birthday the doctor had asked a few friends to share his midday meal and when he returned from his morning stroll he sent for his housekeeper to give her a few final instructions the housekeeper who was a voluble italian peasant woman after receiving his orders handed him a piece of paper on which a few words were scrawled in reddish-brown ink saying it had been left by a signor what signor 
asked the doctor as he perused the document which consisted of words in the german tongue to the effect that the writer regretted his absence from the doctor's feast but would call at midnight it was not signed he was a signor like all signors said the housekeeper he just left the letter and went away the doctor was puzzled and in spite of much cross-examination he was unable to extract anything more beyond the fact that he was a signor shall i lay one place less asked the housekeeper certainly not said the doctor all my guests will be present and he threw the piece of paper on the table the housekeeper left the room but she had not been gone many minutes before she returned and said that maria the wife of the late giovanni the baker wished to speak to him the doctor nodded and maria burst into the room sobbing when her tears had somewhat subsided she told her story in broken sentences her daughter margarita who was seventeen years old had been allowed to spend the summer at sorrento with her late father's sister there it appeared she had met a signor who had given her jewels made love to her promised her marriage and held clandestine meetings with her her aunt professed now to have been unaware of this but maria assured the doctor that her sister-in-law who had the evil eye and had more than once trafficked with satan must have had knowledge of the business even if she were not directly responsible which was highly probable in the meantime margarita's brother anselmo had returned from the wars in the north and discovering the truth had sworn to kill the signor unless he married margarita and what do you wish me to do asked the doctor after he had listened to the story anything anything she answered only calm my son anselmo or else there will be a disaster who is the signor asked the doctor the conte guido da siena she answered the doctor reflected a moment and then said i will see what can be done the matter can be arranged send your son to me later and then after scolding maria for not having taken proper care of her daughter he sent her away as he did so he caught sight of the dirty piece of paper on his table for one second he had the impression that the letters on it were written in blood and he shivered but the momentary hallucination and sense of discomfort passed immediately at midday the guests arrived they consisted of dr cornelius vienna's most learned scholar Tadeo mainardi the painter a danish student from the university of wittenberg a young english nobleman who was travelling in italy and guido da siena philosopher and poet who was said to be the handsomest man in italy the doctor set before his guests a precious wine from cyprus in which he toasted them although as a rule he drank only water 
the meal was served in the cool loggia overlooking the bay and the talk which was of the men and books of many climes flowed like a rippling stream on which the sunshine of laughter lightly played the student asked the doctor whether in italy men of taste took any interest in the recent experiments of a french huguenot who professed to be able to send people into a trance moreover the patient when in the trance so it was alleged was able to act as a bridge between the material and the spiritual worlds and the dead could be summoned and made to speak through the unconscious patient we take no thought of such things here said the doctor in my youth when i studied in the north experiments of that nature exercised a powerful sway over my mind i dabbled in alchemy i tried and indeed considered that i succeeded in raising spirits and visions but two things are necessary for such a study youth and the mists of the northern country here the generous sun kills such fantasies there are no phantoms here moreover i am convinced that in all such experiments success depends on the state of mind of the inquirer which not only persuades but indeed compels itself by a strange magnetic quality to see the vision it desires in my youth i considered that i had evoked visions of satan and helen of troy and what not such things are fit for the young we greybeards have more serious things to occupy us and when a man has one foot in the grave he has no time to waste to my mind said the painter this world has sufficient beauty and mystery to satisfy the most ardent inquirer but said the englishman is not this world a phantom and a dream as insubstantial as the visions of the ardent mind men and women are the only study fit for a man interrupted guido and as for the philosopher's stone i have found it i found it some months ago in a garden at sorrento it is a pearl radiant with all the hues of the rainbow with regard to that matter said the doctor we will have some talk later the wench's brother has returned from the war we must find her a husband you must understand me said guido you do not think i am going to throw my precious pearl to the swine i have sworn to wed margarita and wed her i shall and that swiftly such an act of folly would only lead said the doctor to your unhappiness and to hers it is the selfish act of a fool you must not think of it ah said guido you are young at seventy doctor but you were old at twenty-five and you cannot know what these things mean i was young in my day said the doctor and i found many such pearls believe me they are all very well in their native shell to move them is to destroy their beauty you do not understand said guido i have loved countless times 
but she is different you never felt the revelation of the real true thing that is different from all the rest and transforms a man's life no said the doctor i confess that to me it was always the same thing and for the second time that day the doctor shivered he knew not why soon after the meal was over the guest departed and although the doctor detained guido and endeavoured to persuade him to listen to the voice of reason and common sense his efforts were in vain guido had determined to wed margarita besides which if i left her now i should bring shame and ruin on her he said the doctor started a familiar voice seemed to whisper in his ear she is not the first one a strange shudder passed through him and he distinctly heard a mocking voice laughing go your way he said but do not come and complain to me if you bring unhappiness on yourself and her guido departed and the doctor retired to enjoy his siesta for the first time during all the years he had lived at naples the doctor was not able to sleep this and the hallucinations i have suffered from to-day come from drinking that cypress wine he said to himself he lay in the darkened room tossing uneasily on his bed and sleep would not come to him stranger still before his eyes fiery letters seemed to dance before him in the air at seven o'clock he went out into the garden never had he beheld a more glorious evening he strolled down towards the seashore and watched the sunset mount vesuvius seemed to have dissolved into a rosy haze the waves of the sea were phosphorescent a fisherman was singing in his boat the sky was an apocalypse of glory and peace the doctor sighed and watched the pageant of light until it faded and the stars lit up the magical blue darkness then out of the night came another song a song which seemed familiar to the doctor although for the moment he could not place it about a king in the northern country who was faithful to the grave and to whom his dying mistress a golden beaker gave strange thought the doctor it must come from some northern fishing smack and he went home he sat reading in his study until midnight and for the first time in thirty years he could not fix his mind on his book for the vision of the sunset and the song of the northern fisherman which in some unaccountable way brought back to him the days of his youth kept on surging up in his mind twelve o'clock struck he rose to go to bed, and as he did so he heard a loud knock at the door. "'Come in,' said the doctor, but his voice faltered. "'The cypress wine again,' he thought, and his heart beat loudly. The door opened, and an icy draught blew into the room. The visitor beckoned, but spoke no word, and Dr. Faust rose and followed him into the outer darkness. End of section 16